welcome back to episode three of the Reawakening Podcast. It's a great day to take another step closer to feeling more reawakened to God, more alive in Jesus. What we're going to be talking about today has been the single most impacting practice of my life. And it all began with me answering the question I ended our last podcast with, answering the question, you and who? Brian, you and who? Who can you ask and see if they want to read through the Bible with you this year? If you haven't listened to episode two, I encourage you to stop right now and go back and listen to that episode first, because this episode is really more of a follow-up and a continuing of what we talked about last time. Today, we're going to talk about how once you have one or two people in mind to read through the Bible together with, how simple it is to get this started and, and lead it well. I've been doing this since 2003, and I've learned a thing or two about how to do this better. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. Now, just by way of review, last time we were talking about cultivating a Psalm 119 love for the Bible, and we asked ourselves four questions connected to establishing and sustaining the lifelong practice of cover-to-cover Bible reading. We were wanting to come up with concrete answers to these four questions. Question one, when? When can you carve out time that will actually work for you each week? Secondly, how much? What is your pace going to be as you try and read through the Bible? Thirdly, what did you love? Not to get lost in the questions or what you didn't understand, but what did you love about what you read this week? And fourthly, who? You and who? Who are you going to ask about joining you on reading through the Bible? You and who? When I was young, I I played the original Legend of Zelda on my NES, and I still have that gold cartridge. The very first words you read in that game, once you're able to start exploring as Link, is you go into the cave and you see an old man and the words, It's dangerous to go alone. Take this. And there's a sword there you can take for free. I've found it nearly impossible to sustain cover-to-cover Bible reading practices without a friend or two. I need the gentle accountability. And what I've discovered over the years is many of my friends could use the help as well in, in the desire to sustain and thrive in a lifetime of cover-to-cover Bible reading. It's dangerous to go alone. You probably won't make it. I definitely can't. So let's take a friend. So after last episode, you have your who in mind. Someone who you're going to ask and see if they want to read through the Bible with you this year, maybe a couple people in mind. Now, if you're worried about asking them, let me just encourage you, in my experience, it's surprising how many people are willing to give this a go. I think the Holy Spirit is your ally on this one, and and most people feel like maybe they should read the Bible a little bit more, and they might be willing to do this with a friend. What might surprise you is that sometimes it seems that people who aren't Christians or who are brand new Christians are actually way more open to reading through the Bible than many longtime Christians. Why? Well, it's possible. I think many Christians have a bit of guilt over trying and failing on reading the Bible. They just feel overwhelmed by this this sense of what they should be doing versus what they have been doing over the years. Maybe they just think the Bible is just so huge and the idea of reading through it is overwhelming. Whereas brand new believers and even people who are just thinking about spiritual things, it just seems to make sense to them. Of course I want to know what the Bible actually says. We've had several people over the years give their lives to Jesus during their Bible read-through group time. Okay, so there are four things I want to talk about in the starting and leading of a small Bible read-through group. Number one, I want to talk about the aim behind this. 
Number two, I want to talk about what you're inviting people to do. And that's pretty simple. Three, I want to talk about your role in the time that you're together as a group. And four, how to help everyone thrive in this time of reading through the Bible. Basically, I'm teaching you how to disciple people just using the Bible. Discipleship is when we help people to learn and live out the teachings of the Bible and also to live out the habits and behaviors which cultivate the reawakened life in Jesus. All right, first let's talk about the aims connected with doing cover-to-cover Bible reading. There, There are four aims, and the priorities are in this order, this order. The, prior, the aims are love, listen, learn, lifetime. Number one, love. I want people to love the Bible. I want you and the people in your group to rediscover the wow and the wonder of God and the wow and wonder of God's amazing word, the word that he's written and preserved through the ages and has delivered to you now in your own language, what you have in front of you. It's incredible. And I want to cultivate your love for the word of God again. Secondly, the value of listening, the aim to listen. I want people to discover how the Holy Spirit works as we read the Bible together, how the Holy Spirit highlights things that he particularly wants us to see this time. I mean, you might read Genesis next year and three different things jump out at you. Sometimes, oftentimes, that's because the Holy Spirit may have some different things to say to you next year than what he wants to say to you this year. And so I want people to see, okay, this is how the Holy Spirit is using the Bible to to lead me, to encourage me, to nudge me, to guide me. Thirdly, learn. As we keep reading it, we will learn the Bible. Now, this isn't the primary objective, but it's definitely going to happen as we keep reading. Also, I've been doing this for so long. For me, it's, it's not about what I didn't know before. Did I learn something new this read-through that I didn't know before? No, I, I do learn some things, and, and I do connect new dots every time, but mostly it's about loving the Word and listening to what God might be wanting to say to me this time, this year, this month, today. Fourthly, lifetime. The goal isn't just to read it and to have that accomplishment ticket off of our to-do list, but to cultivate a lifelong practice of cover-to-cover Bible reading that will continually work to keep your heart reawakened to God through all the vastly different seasons and challenges of your life. So those are the aims. Those are the aims. Loving the Word of God, listening, learning, lifetime Those are the aims behind what we're doing, and and that's the order of the things we're trying to prioritize as we go through this. The second thing I want to talk about today is, is what are you inviting people into? When I ask someone if they want to read through the Bible with me, what I say is, okay, here's the plan. During the week, we're going to read through the Bible and we're going to pick three things that stand out most to us. Three things that we loved most about what we read this week. And then we'll get together at, you know, wherever. My first one was at Starbucks uh, on this day at this time. And we'll do that every week. And we'll go around and we'll share three things that we loved about it. And, and I'll say it's, it's like a book club, but with the Bible. And then I'll say, here are three simple rules about, about this book club, about this Bible read-through group. 
Number one, no commentaries, no extra reading. Just read through the Bible, just read it through, and just make notes on what you loved about it. Secondly, a share is what you loved, not what you didn't understand. For example, a question is not a share. I didn't understand what this means. Thirdly, read each week and show up ready to share. That's it. Those are the rules. No commentaries. Your, your shares aren't questions. It's what you did understand. And read each week. Friend, it's amazing how this simple thing can change your life and the lives of the people who do this with you. Okay, so we're going to try and love the Word of God, listen to the Spirit as He speaks to us through the Word of God, learn it, and, and keep doing this over a lifetime. And then there's that simple invitation the third thing I want to talk about is what is your role in your time together? Basically, your job is to keep things moving and to keep things healthy. So most of my groups meet for 60, maybe more ideally 90 minutes. We pray and then we go around the circle, each sharing the first thing we loved about what we read. And then a second time around the circle, the second thing, the second thing that we loved about what we read, followed by a third time going around sharing what we loved and what we read. Now, please note, it's about what you read this time, not what you heard somebody say once and you thought was really clever and interesting and you want to pass that on to your group. No, no, no. It's about what you read this time. During, during this time, your, your main and most helpful job is to make sure no one person dominates the time. I, I think a normal share is about five minutes. It's not short. It's more than just kind of saying, okay, these are the verses that jumped out at me. It's telling people why you loved it, what really struck you this time, what you felt convicted by or encouraged by or, or what it meant, whatever. Five minutes each shares is a pretty good amount of time for, for this. But there are some people, it's like they don't know how to stop talking and they just week after week take 15 minutes or, or 20 minutes. Those people, as excited as they are, they, they need to be reined in a little bit. It, and so in a loving way, as the leader here, maybe after the group, you might be like, hey, I am so encouraged by your enthusiasm, but we might need to... to be a bit more succinct. Sometimes they just don't realize how long they're talking and, and you can be like, instead of 15 minutes, let's try and keep it down to more about five minutes. Around my church, I like to say we believe in succinctification, the doctrine of keeping things a little bit more brief. Succinctification. As the leader, we got to keep it moving and we got to make sure that there's time for, for everyone. Also during your time together, it's a huge temptation to play the Bible answer man game. So many times someone in your group will say, hey, you know, I didn't get this bit. Don't take the bait. Don't let people take the bait. Just say, okay, we can talk about this afterwards if we want to, but it's so easy and tempting to, to get completely sidetracked and get, to get sucked into the answering the question game. The share time is about what you did understand and what you loved about it. Talk about the question afterwards and you can just say, let's talk about this later, but try and keep them out of the share time. This is from years of experience, friends. Just trust me on this one. Don't play the Bible answer man game. I suppose also, if you pick up that someone is sharing not really from their Bible reading, but from reading a commentary or from further study, Google or something like that, it's really important to not let that continue. Just take them aside afterwards and say, hey, for this read through, we're aiming for the heart. 
And, and if you really need to go deeper in your study, that's great. Do that study after we get together as a group. I find Bible students, seminary students, those people are the worst, the worst when it comes to Bible read-through groups. Maybe there's some intellectual pride there. I mean, I've been through Bible college. I've been through seminary. I, I've been there. Or maybe it's just this fascination with what's, what's deep. This is about reading and sharing what you love most. The one exception to this would be the Bible Project videos on YouTube. The Bible Project has some book overviews for every book of the Bible, and they're about seven-minute book summaries, and those can really help people. Um, I, I suggest maybe even just watching them before you read. Have a bit of a box for for what you're seeing, especially in like Old Testament prophetic books, really for any book. And you can just go to the BibleProject.com or search for their videos on, on YouTube. You're looking for the, the ones that are the, the Bible book overviews, where they're, they're like a yellowish chart and they're kind of talking through the flow of the book. Another thing that I encourage you to do is maybe take very succinct notes on each person's share, maybe a sentence or two. Now, you don't have to do this. I don't always do this. But here's why I've done this from time to time. In my ideal world, as a leader, I want to help people connect the dots between what they're sharing and what God might be saying to them. I remember a few years ago, several years ago now, actually, I had a guy in my group who shared about some verse about the tongue and words and what we say to people. It was in the Old Testament. I don't even remember exactly which one it was. And I asked him, you know, do you think that God might be saying something to you about your words and, and the kinds of things you talk about? I mean, last week you shared something similar and the week before that something similar. And we just read all these amazing chapters and that was one of your three shares. And we then previously we read a whole bunch of chapters last week and that was one of your, do you think that God might be saying something to you about this? And he just looked stunned. The, the idea had never crossed his mind. But then he was like, yeah, I, I guess, I guess that's exactly what I think God might be saying to me. I've been trying to ignore it, but, but yeah, I do feel convicted about that. Boom, right? Boom. Connecting the dots for people. Okay, so as a leader, you pray to start or have someone pray. You guard the time and try and keep it all in track. And then at the end, hopefully, you'll have some time to pray for each other all in about 60 to 90 minutes. It's because of the time and all that we want to do. My ideal group size is about four to five people. Once I get more than seven people, the shares have to get too short and you really start losing something there. Sometimes when groups get to be about eight people, we still meet it all in the same place because, you know, nobody wants to divide and everybody loves each other and all that kind of stuff. But we meet in two groups during the actual share time and then we can talk before and after the group. Okay, so that's connected to your role in your time together. The last thing I want to talk about was a few quick tips to help everyone thrive in, in this group as you go through the Bible together. For me, the last thing that I wanted was more Bible-based guilt in my life. The last thing I wanted was to feel like I was failing. And these groups are supposed to be gentle, grace-based discipleship. These are supposed to be grace-based, meaning it's a safe place for people to struggle and not always get the reading done without feeling shamed or, or judged. But it's also discipleship, which includes loving helpfulness at talking to the people in your group who are struggling about how they can be more ready for the time together. If you're going to lead the group, 
then you need to be an example in both your wins and your losses. I want you as the leader to really be committed to reading the whole passage every time. The whole passage every time. Which means you're going to need to have your when sorted. Your plan for when you're going to read the Bible. Now, assuming that you're on that, You'll find, especially in the early weeks, some people are surprised that they didn't have time to get the reading done. And they want to blame the quantity of the reading or their reading pace or whatever. And friends, this is a discipleship moment. And this is when you can ask them to pre-set aside when they're going to read and encourage everyone to set aside more time than they think they need because The aim isn't just to finish the reading. It's to love it and to listen to the Spirit of God. If you're rushing to get it done, you're not going to enjoy it. And the aim of feeling reawakened to God is going to be entirely stifled. Uh, Maybe that's a little bit strong, but it's going to be extremely stifled or quite stifled. It's going to be stifled in, in, in a strong way. I also encourage you to push them to set aside time days before the next meeting. People who read the night before or the day of rarely, rarely, rarely enjoy it as much as those who read without the pressing deadline. This is discipleship stuff. It's very practical. It's life-changing discipleship stuff. Everyone thinks they're going to get to it sometime. But then they feel like it's just too much to just squeeze in when they have time. So you can help those who keep feeling like the problem is the quantity and not their own setting aside of the right time and enough time for themselves. I also think it's, it's good discipleship to be truthful when you don't finish all the way. There's a huge temptation to lie or to just pretend you finished by not saying anything, even though all your shares are from the first half of the book or the first five chapters. I encourage you to lead with vulnerability. It is also discipleship. Now, it's really important to mostly, 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 mostly actually read the whole thing. But you know, maybe once every four months or six months or so, it doesn't happen. How you respond to that is important. And and as a leader, I want you to admit it and own it. Some people want to say, you know, it was a busy week and I just didn't have enough time. Okay, that's the victim approach. And it's not true. You had enough time, you just didn't set aside and guard the time or adjust the time you needed. So instead of doing the victim thing, maybe you say, you know what, I didn't protect my Jesus time this week. And when something came up that I couldn't avoid, I didn't re-strategize a different time. Own it, and you're teaching people, you're discipling people that, that you are the reason you didn't read. That's just good discipleship and humility there. Secondly here, also show up when you don't read. Shame is powerful. And sometimes when you don't read, you would rather not show up than for people to see that you just didn't do it. No, 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 show up. Show up, but don't share. This is a button of mine. Sometimes people don't read and then they throw open their Bibles and they make up a share just to save face. Or they say they haven't read, but they do like this one thing in the book that just, no, no. Let them enjoy the shares of other people, be a part of the praying for one another, but don't invent a share from things of the past or or pass on something that wasn't fresh for you this week. 
We want people to feel loved and encouraged and enjoy the time together, but the purpose is to share what jumped out this week. This will be a regular issue for some of the people in your group, and just keep helping them pick the times that'll work for them and, and fill it out. And if they blame being a slow reader, talk to them about getting an audio version of the Bible, like what we talked about last week, as long as they follow with the words on their paper Bible or their digital Bible, then, then that's totally fine. Now, maybe this feels a bit technical and stuff, but the heart behind this is for us to experience reawakening as we set out on a lifetime of cover-to-cover Bible reading. The chances of this lasting for not just one read-through, but for a lifetime of read-throughs goes way up with a friend or two or, or three. And the heart is, first of all, to enjoy, to love the Word of God again, followed by learning to listen, to hear how the Spirit speaks, and then about learning what the Bible says, followed by adopting this as a lifetime practice. For our next episode, we're going to go back to another major aspect of reawakening connected to obeying God in everything. But for now, if you enjoyed this podcast and find it helpful or are thinking of someone who you know who might find it helpful, please take a moment and help get the word out in these three significant ways. Subscribe to the podcast. The plan is to release a new podcast about every two weeks or so. If you hit the subscribe button, you'll be alerted when the next podcast is available. Secondly, rate and review this on iTunes. This is huge. It just takes a few seconds. Thirdly, get the word out on social media. Share this on social media. If this is helpful to you, it might also be helpful to someone else. It would be huge if you would take 20 seconds to share this on social media and get the word out. Who knows? But I think it's quite possible that some of the people you're following on social media or people who are following you on social media might be feeling further from God than they would prefer and might be wondering how they can rekindle that closeness again. Thank you for rating and reviewing this and getting the word out. It makes a big difference. And specifically, it helps other people who are feeling stuck and dissatisfied with where their heart is with God today to find this podcast and get the help they're looking for. Thank you. It means a lot to me. My heart is to see our whole generation reawakened to walk in fresh, close, long-lasting, life-giving connection to the God of the Bible. Some people can fumble through this path alone, but everyone does exponentially better with 